0: This episode of the Hat Makers Podcast is brought to you by Hat blocks Australia, makers of fine timber hat blocks and hat making tools. Hi.
1: what a peculiar place to have a party.
0: Welcome to the tea party. The Hat Makers Podcast where we connect with hatters from around the world. Talk hats and hat making to build the community and share tips and tricks to take your hat making to the next level. Wow. So sit back, pour yourself a brew, and settle in because here comes the show. <laughs> On this episode of the Hat Makers Podcast, we're chatting with Austin Zito from Zito Hatco. Based in Encinitas, California, Austin is a skateboarder and motorcycle enthusiast who's been making hats for over eight years. Currently expanding and relocating his hat shop to larger premises, Austin is committed to making hats of the highest quality while curating the perfect custom hat fitting experience. In this episode, we talk hats and the business of hat making, as well as how he got started in the craft and what it's like having a full-time apprentice. It was an absolute pleasure getting to know Austin, so stay tuned to hear more on this episode of the Hatmakers Podcast. I know we've tried a, a few yeah. times to get. Yeah,
2: we've been like crossing crossing ships in the night for a couple of weeks now. So
0: yeah, just, just waving the can... deck at each other. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> like what?
0: I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) so who are you and where are you from young man
2: so yeah my name is austin zito i am originally from san diego a little little part san diego is pretty big so east county san diego la mesa which is uh if you're in downtown san diego uh 20 minutes east from there uh currently right now i live about 50 miles north of the airport um and my shop is located uh, in Lucadia, California, which is a little beach community um, just on the coast. I'm about a block from the beach right now, which is fantastic. Uh, and, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've been making hats now for about eight years, actually, uh, which was in September. was eight years of hat making, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's in that full, full time, though. I've been doing this for four years, actually, so. Okay.
0: So, you jumped, you jumped in full time before COVID?
2: Actually, yes. January 1st, 2020, full time, quit my job, wow. was in it. I was doing it in my garage. And at the time, I was living in Austin. So, um, you know, I was, I was went from working with a cowboy boot company called Dakovus, which is like a direct to consumer cowboy boot brand, um, and left and started doing hats full time. And then like a month later, the pandemic hit, (laughs) which, which like, you know, that it was an insane time to to do it. But um, specifically in Austin, what happened during COVID is anyone, you know, Austin has a big tech community. And so a lot of these people that were working retained their jobs and their income. And there was a big push in Austin specifically to support local artisans and makers who, you know, maybe necessarily weren't having a secure job, I guess you would call it. And so everyone was like my business increased dramatically. And it was a huge blessing for me to be able to spend so much time with my wife, spend so much time at home, I got to make hats for people during COVID. It was it was a crazy time. Yeah, it was really cool. I wouldn't say I'm a COVID hat maker. But you know, that's definitely when I went full time with it. So
0: yeah, you got in before the rush. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still so, feeling the effects though of the, the supply chain issues with all the, uh, the new makers, which I welcome. You know, it's great. It's, it's great to yeah. see so many people getting into it. So.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been pretty interesting the last uh, couple of years, but it seems like it's uh, starting to iron itself out.
2: I think. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, there was a huge demand of raw materials because so many people got into hat making and now there's becoming more and more suppliers to meet that. Um, and you can get, oh things from different people to like, kind of meet those, those demands. And, you know, I'm still getting through like the very last of my, my really insane lead times. Like, you know, I have one hat that I'm working on that was ordered last August. So that's my longest current lead time, almost a year and a half or so. Yeah. Um, but I'm finishing it like this week. So finally, you know, it's <laughs> fine. Finally. Yeah. It's great. It, you know, most of my clients are super understanding, like, this is what it takes. And, you know, there's some issues that you can't really do anything about, but, um, for me, I hate it. I don't like the looming, you know, like the waiting and the, the, the lead times. I don't like that. So I'm trying to move my business more.
1: Now. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, you know, hat makers right now are probably all really good at apologizing.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But I'm, I'm trying to move towards, uh, mostly like front-loading lead time on my end so that my clients don't have to wait, which is basically uh, stocking up on raw felt. And yeah. that's what I have available for custom orders versus like, hey, here's every color I can do. You yeah. can choose, um, yeah. you know, I'm still offering that of course, but it comes with the caveat of like, hey, this, this could take me a year and a half. You know, there's nothing, nothing <laughs> around that. So, um, but trying to figure out ways to kind of serve people a little bit faster is, is what I'm going for.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good idea. So, so how did you get started into the whole hats? What inspired you to start, and then how did you uh, learn?
2: Yeah, um, I'll give you guys the long version because I feel like most hat makers will be interested in this instead of the uh, the thirty second thing that I do at at my shop. But so basically, I was working for a leather goods company on Abbott Kinney in Venice Beach, which, as you probably know, there's like twenty hat makers in that small section of Venice beach, California, like it's insane. How many hat makers are there? Um, but so I was working at a leather goods store. I was on Abbot Kinney. I was kind of helping run the store. Um, and at the time my, my dream was to be a professional skateboarder actually. So that was like my lifelong dream. I I've been skating for like 20 something years now. Um, so one of the best hat makers in the world, he started making hats for the shop. His name was Greg Westbrook. Um, if you, if you aren't familiar, you should totally look him up. He's relatively unknown, but, you know, he's taught a lot of uh, really uh, incredible hat makers. He's made hats for so many years. Uh, he, he most notably taught Nick Fiquet, which like we won't get into that kind of, you know, what happened with them. But, um, you know, eventually he started making hats for the shop. And so he came down to show us how to take care of all these hats that he made for us because they're all beaver or rabbit. Very, very nice, well-made hats. Um, and he came down, he's an old skater from the eighties. And so we just were friends immediately. He started showing me how to like manipulate them and care for them and make them work for people so that I could kind of fit them, um, to the client's heads. Cause we were selling bags and stuff, but we had all these like, you know, eight, $900 hats before hat making was like really big. Right. So, um, so I started, I was just interested in it. He actually gave me this hat that I'm wearing. So this is my favorite hat. Um, I've reshaped it and redecorated it uh maybe twice now uh but this has been the shape for the last seven years or so um so he really like kind of got me into hat making i was i was really stupid like just i love working with my hands i've always worked with my hands um and so greg kind of mentored me into it a little bit um he i know that he was in connection with uh brandon wise the wise hatter who was at the time his shop was directly across the street from the leather goods store so right. they were talking back and forth and i think that he i don't know exactly but i think he talked to brandon about me going and like working and learning from him so brandon and i became friends we were starting to schedule some time for me to come and just like learn how to work through hats so he walked me through my first two hats um like full start to finish and this was i think right when he was doing full-time like i went to his apartment and and we like okay. smoked a joint and, and made some hats <laughs> uh, and uh it was cool it was, he's a cool dude huge respect for him my intention was to apprentice for him actually um my wife and i we got married and then we just decided that we were moving back down to san diego so i didn't get to apprentice for him i got to work through my first two with him which was a huge blessing and then basically i was just you know skateboarding when I, when I left the good goods company, we moved down to LA or I moved down to San Diego skateboarding and just like making hats in my garage. And so like mostly for myself and my wife, and then slowly people started asking me for stuff. Um, Greg would kind of mentor me over the phone when I had questions. Um, and, you know, I got to, I got to know him for probably about nine months and he, he suddenly passed away, um, which is why I talk about him a lot because not a lot of people know about him. Um, But I I really I credit him for the resurgence of hat wearing, at least in the United States, because of all of the different people that he's taught and connected with. And his style was so influential to me and many other hat makers. Um, But yeah, so, you know, because his workshop was still with the leather goods company, I actually ended up continuing to work for them. I went out to Detroit for a contract job and was working for them in their store. And then I took a job with them in Austin to open their stores in Austin and and in uh, Texas. And so when I was in in Texas, um, I was really starting to make hats quite a bit for people. And so I was working full time for them. And I was working basically, you know, 40 hours a week making hats, but just like during my lunch, during dinner, like sewing every waking minute that I wasn't physically working um and i uh, ended up working out a a trade basically to acquire the majority of his hat blocks um his tools that he was working on brim cutters like it's you know an insane collection and so all of this stuff was what he was working on and they weren't really doing anything with it it was just like stuff that they had bought for him to have the workshop and uh so i basically like you know because i worked for that family for so long they were super interested in supporting me, which is really cool. It was a huge blessing. And, you know, I, I felt so honored to be able to acquire all of Greg's tools. And so that's what I work on now, actually. Um, at the time, most of what I was doing for hat making was, uh, I was any, basically my wife and I worked out a deal, right? So it was a side hustle <laughs> and I was interested in, I, I like, a, I like building custom motorcycles as a hobby. Um, so I was building my dream bike at the time. and It took me about three years to build this thing. I completely built it from scratch in my garage, and uh, uh, basically, she's like, "As long as you don't touch your salary, any money you make on the side can go to the motorcycle." So, hat making was driving me building this motorcycle. And once I finished that, I was like, "Wait, I, I could like really do this. Like, I'm really good at this." So, um, I left. I left the leather goods company, went to work for the the boot, the boot, the cowboy boot company, and they basically allowed me to work three 10 hour days so that I could have health insurance because I needed health insurance. They were paying me the same salary. And so I basically got like four days a week that I was full-time making hats. So I didn't like just leap, right? Like I, I still yeah. had to have income and, and figure out how to make it work. And so, um, I gave them one year and I told them, you know, like, I'll help you open all your stores. This is my background is like high-end, experiential retail and, and hiring and training and sales development and all that kind of stuff. I, I love, I love retail. Um, And so I went full-time with hat making and ever since then, my dream is to have a store. Um, So, you know, I, we lived in Austin for one more year before we moved back to San Diego. Finally Uh, it was something that we were planning on doing for a long time. And so I still have a lot of clients in Austin and anytime we visit there, I I bring, you know, all my fitting stuff and and we go and I'll do a pop-up with, with one of my friends there, whoever owns the shop and, and kind of do fittings out there. But, I, got, I was in my garage for two years making hats full time, one year in Austin and then one year when we moved back to San Diego before I found my current retail space, which um, we were talking a little bit about before this, but I'll, I'll reiterate for everybody listening. So um, it's, I was I would every, about once a week, I would walk three or four miles up the coast, just walking into businesses, introducing myself to the business owners and and asking about if they knew any opportunities for, for renting a space because mm-hmm. it's really competitive here. Um, space on the coast, on coast highway, which is, you know, the 101 essentially. It's like, you know, the original highway in, in San Diego in California. Um, it's really hard to come by. So, you know, I spent a full year doing that. I was every single week, once a week, I would walk in and talk to people. I would tell every single client that I ran into, every person that I got into a conversation with, I was like, Hey, I'm looking for a retail space. I want it to be, you know, in this area, like, let me know if you think of anything. Um, the way I got it was I took an appointment in my house. I used to do them at my dining room table. Um, and uh, it, this, this lady who I was making a hat for, I, I had mentioned it. The next day she went into what is now currently my space to pick up um, like a custom ring that she had made. It was a jeweler shop at the time. And she texted me. She said, hey, this lady had deci- told me that she's deciding to sublease Um, she decided today that she wants to do it and it's available and here's what she's asking. And so I literally like stopped what I was doing. And we came in an hour later, I looked at the space with my wife so we can make a quick decision and we took it on the spot. So it was like immediate. Yeah. It was a huge, huge blessing. And, and, you know, I used to think about what I wanted it to look like and, um, you know, meditate on that all the time. And, And really the only difference between what I visualized and what, what we actually have is that the door is Mm -hmm. in the wrong spot and everything else is the exact same. So (laughs) It's pretty cool. It was, it was a huge, uh, huge win for me. It was a great way to test it. So my space is 300 square feet, very Mm -hmm. small, right? Like going from a garage to this space is obviously massive. It was a huge, huge uh, benefit to like, just getting it out of my house (laughs) because I just, I, I couldn't, you know, my, my, personal address was on Google for so long and people would just drive up to my house. Like, you know, I could be like cooking onions or something. And like, Hey, can we do an appointment? I would like to pay you $800 for this hat. And I'm like, my whole house smells like onions. And I'm yeah. in like my flip flops or something, you know, let so, me put
0: some pants on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, Oh, hold well, on. let me, like, let me get, let me get a uh, presentable real quick. So, yeah. um, you know, having the space was such a game changer for me, just really getting it out of my out of my house was a big deal. Um, and it, it really like kind of solidified my desire and, oh, sorry, didn't mean to move that. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been in there for about, let's see, I think two or three years now. I, I can't remember if I'm at two or if I'm at three years. Um, but very quickly I grew out of it. I mean, it's like tiny, there's hats covering every surface right now. Cause it's busy season. It's felt season. Everyone wants a hat right now. It's holiday. So like there's literally hacks everywhere. It is just impossible to like get through everything and, you know, keep it uh, organized. It definitely has as much as I don't want to give off the Mad Hatter trope. I like that. It very much looks like I'm crazy in there. So um, it's, but it's fun. It's, it's good. You know, about a year in, I hired my apprentice, which uh, has also been just so incredible to kind of teach and, and see him progress. His name is Jack. Everybody, if you're, if you, know my Instagram, he's on there all the time. Cause I, I'm super proud of his work. He's incredible at it. Um, you know, it's a, I, I offer a two-year like structured apprenticeship basically. And, and mm-hmm. part of the reason I do that is, um, I one because Greg, Greg was such a proponent of making sure that people learned how to make apps and teaching them the right way. And, you know, passing it along because hat making is, is a very much a, an oral tradition. It's, it's passed along. It's apprenticeship based. I mean, regardless of if yeah. you, um, if you go and actually apprentice for someone in person, or if you're getting advice from other hat makers, like we all get the, mm-hmm. Hey, can you teach me how to make hats messages on Instagram? I'm looking to get into it, you know, and like, that's super encouraging to see like people interested in it. So my goal is to create a business that's large enough to um, support and train multiple people how to make hats and like have a career at it so that they don't have to go and start a business to go and make money. Because like I can tell you that I, it takes years <laughs> and it's, and it's, you know, just because you're like really good at making hats doesn't mean you're also really good at running the business. And that's been a huge learning curve for me, but something that I find really enjoyable. I like doing both aspects of it. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been insane. And then I'll, I'll, continue the um the final part of this story which is what we were talking about before we started recording but uh yeah this this morning we got um final approval on moving into a much larger space about four times the size we're we're going just slightly up the coast a little bit closer to where i live actually which is fantastic um and hopefully going to be opening very shortly uh december 15th or so so it's going to be insane. It's another huge growth opportunity. It's, it's going to be able to deliver what I want to deliver as far as experience, product offerings, um, you know, hat making space, really uh, a separate spot for sanding and pouncing and stuff. And uh, the ability to hire and train more people so that we can kind of deliver this experience to North County, San Diego, this, this area that I'm a part of, the community that I'm a part of as well. So very excited
0: yeah wow what a what an awesome uh journey so far mate it's uh it's <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you got like the great uh downloads from the from the awesome hat makers which is yeah uh, pretty uh unique in this day and age most people have kind of tried to work it out for themselves and mm-hmm. have only, you know seen other hat makers online um yeah
2: absolutely i i was it, hugely hugely blessed with communication with so many different hat makers that were i would consider master hat makers um another guy who really helped me quite a bit and mentored me in the early days before he started to offer classes which is this is who i send people to when i'm you know if i don't have an open position i'm like go pay this guy to tell you tim over at pure beaver i mean he's he's like taught that. me how to do brim bindings yeah he taught me how to do sweatband properly i mean he's like such a great person and also a huge character in the hat making industry so i would be remiss to not mention him. If, if anyone here is listening and wants to go learn how to make hats and, and uh, doesn't want to move to San Diego to come work for me, go, go to Tim and, he, and he'll get you, he'll get you set right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's been around for a while. He was kind of like quiet behind the scenes for a long time. And then he started <laughs> teaching and supplying. And I think he's really uh, found his spot with that for
1: sure. Yeah.
2: I love getting a call from him. His like new, new England, you know, East coast accent, just it reminds me of my wife's side of the family. And so I, I get a kick out of
3: talking to him. He's, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and how awesome to be, um, to be working with Greg's tools, like, you know, carrying yeah, that, that forward, that's pretty amazing too.
2: Yeah. It's become, you know, it it's helped me be able to tell people about him and because I, I really, most people don't, don't know who he was and it's important to me to, give credit to people um that came before i think one of the reasons hat making died out you know maybe in the 50s or so is a lot of the old masters they they died with their secrets close to the vest and while you know i'm not just offering people you know information all the time i i do think it's important to pass it down to the to the people that are going to carry that torch on so like my apprentice jack he the reason i do a two-year apprenticeship it's a two-year commitment is so that um once you're through that program, regardless of if he wants to stay on with me as a full-time hat maker, or wants to do his own thing, or whatever he wants to do, if he's making hats and using my name, he's considered one of the best in the world. Like he's an incredibly technical hat maker. I'm very stoked for how quickly he's picked it up, and it's really encouraging to see, um, and it, a huge asset to to me as a as a maker, and and to be able to kind of show him the things that I know and see how it evolves with his own unique perspective so um you know that kind of thing is it's important in hat making you have you have to eventually you reach a point where you have to teach others yeah
0: yeah i think teaching others also um helps you understand your own craft a little more too Mm -hmm. so how did that relationship come around how did um you meet jack and or jack meet you and and how did you guys uh come together
2: so okay so jack um not many people don't know this but he's very young he's uh, when I met him, he was 18. He graduated high school like maybe a week after I after I hired him. Um, so very young. He's 19 now, um, about to turn 20. But he so his mom got him a custom hat for his graduation gift, um, and he because he you know he's wears hats all the time. He's just when I first met him, he was like, I was like, what do you do for fun? He's like, oh, I like I ride I ride dirt bikes, and I right now I'm like. On my friend's land just uh you know making roads and clearing bushes i'm like what are you talking about he's just such a such a like a you know such a dude you know he's just he just likes being outdoors and so he came in we designed his hat it's such a cool hat um we actually named that style after him after he came on to work with me but at the time i was i was already looking for an apprentice and you know hiring your first person to teach your craft to it's incredibly terrifying like What if this person comes and just leaves and like what or what if i what if it's a waste of time or what if it's not the right thing and it's it's so scary um but i think getting over that is important as as a as a business owner really but also as a hat maker like there's no there's no threat to your business if you train someone there's no like everyone is so unique you know so it doesn't it doesn't really matter anyways i was looking for someone it is important to hire the right person and i just when i met him i just got a really good vibe him, I just really immediately liked him. I thought that he was a really cool, cool kid. He was really trustworthy. He was hardworking. Um, he had really good uh, practical taste and style. Um, and I, I felt that he would be. I just felt like he would be really good at it. And so, you know, a few weeks go by. I'm just every day. I'm like, man, I should text Jack. I feel like I should offer him a job. Like I think he'd be really good at this. And I texted him one day. I was like, hey, I'd love for you to you know, come and apprentice for me, like, do you want to come work for me, like, and learn how to make hats? Within five minutes, he was like, fuck yes, let's do it, how do I start, I want to do this immediately, like, and I was like, hold hold, hold on, I got to figure out how to hire people, I don't know, like, let me get payroll settled, like, I didn't know any of that stuff, so I, I, you know, we got him started, he was actually one day away from signing up for, uh, uh, what is that called lineman school, which is like the people that work on power lines. It's one of the deadliest careers actually. It's super high mortality rate. So he was super stoked. His parents are really stoked. They're very fantastic people. Um, and yeah, yeah, he's almost at a year and a half with me. December will be a year and a half at two years. You know, he'll be a full-time hat maker and that's going to come with its own, uh, unique stuff. He'll have his own clients. He'll have, you know, I want to try and build him a career as well. So I'm very proud of him. It's, it's been a huge blessing. I would say he's probably better than I was after like five years of hat making, just because the sheer amount of hats that we make, hat making is one of those things where like, you can't just know the techniques. You have to practice it over and over and over and over and over. You have to make some of those mistakes or, you know, I, I help him get around some of those, but you have to do it. You just have to do it all the time. Like for example, you know, I have one of my favorite hats here, but one of the things that I um love doing are the hand sewn brim bindings we when we do hand when we do brim bindings we only do them by hand um and like this kind of thing it takes i would say it still takes me like anywhere from an hour and a half to five hours depending on if i'm distracted or not um and when i first made jack do it i was like take as long as you want i just want you to be perfect at it and so it took him like three days to do his first brim binding of eight hours a day he was sewing just you know because we do it by eye all the stitches are by hand it's like and one of the also just we were doing this yesterday too but or uh on friday one of the things i have my apprentices and it'll just be a thing i do in the future my apprentices do is i measure every part of your hands because we use them for a lot of the different um measurements in our hats so you know yeah. like this is one inch this is inch and a half this is four inches this is five inches like this is nine inches like there's a bunch of different measures and i have everyone measure your hand so that we're just like we don't need a ruler we're just eyeing everything with our hands and like putting our fingers up to stuff um yeah, that's cool. it's one of the i tell people sometimes one of the secret like hat making powers is that you can i have the weird ability to like guess the center of anything like almost with you know insane accuracy because that's all we do all day <laughs> it's just yeah. when i'm punching holes and stuff you know <laughs>
0: Unreal. And so, um, when Jack first started, what were the, like some of the first things that you got him to do? Like, how did, how was Uh, his
2: journey? Yeah. So blocking was the the first and foremost, because, um, you know, after I gave him like a, for the first two days, I was giving him mostly like history of hat making, familiarizing him with the tools and materials, like having him look at colors, having him try on hats. Uh, Mm -hmm. part of the program too is, um, you know, he he gets to make his own hats. um, And uh, so we're like gifting him hats and stuff like that. But the first things he did was blocking. And then I started showing him how to do shaping design work, you know, trim all that kind of stuff right now. He's in kind of like the design portion of his apprenticeship. So right now in our shop, like I would say half of our ready to wear collection is Jack's designs. And Mm -hmm. I'm letting him just make whatever he feels inspired to make, but I'm, critiquing him as he does it through a lens of what's wearable, what's sellable. um, What do you think can move and incentivizing him with bonuses based on like, if he sells, if one of his hats sells, he gets a bonus. And so he's getting direct back on what's wearable and sellable. And also, you know, he has to make it in what I consider my style. So he's learning my style, but I also want him to work within what he finds interesting as well. Um, And so, you know, kind of pushing himself to get more creative, see different things. Uh, You know, it's, he started to take some custom appointments with me, kind of shadowing as well. Mm -hmm. But these are all, you know, my clients that are, I I want people to be able to come into my store and and, uh, when they order a hat from us, they don't need it to be from me because, you know, everybody can deliver what, what I expect from Zito Hatco essentially. So, uh we're getting him to that point it's it's cool it's it's really cool to see his his growth and his progression because as far as technical hat making goes i would say he's he's top tier he's fantastic like incredibly helpful really quick at a lot of things um you know he he's kind of like a has holds the same values as i do like i just i really like to do things even if it's the hardest way to do it, I'd prefer to do it the best way. Cause I just, I find it most interesting. Like this didn't start as a business for me. It is always something that I did for fun. And then it was a hobby and it was, you know, so a lot of the things that I do maybe aren't cost effective, but they are important to me to do. Like for example, the hand sewn brim bindings. we only do them by hand yeah. because I think it's the coolest way to do it. So yeah. um, I didn't always start that way too. Like I started doing it by machine and I found that it wasn't as accurate or as perfect as I could, as I expected out of myself and so i started doing them by hand out of really a desire to just get more a more perfect hat and i was like oh fuck fuck a sewing machine i'm just gonna use you know use my hands like it's cool And, and then people actually now like my clients come to me for it because they like the sweat equity that goes into it when i tell them like yeah this this, this one took me three hours yesterday, or this one took Jack five hours. And they're like, Oh, that's sick. I want a brim binding. Like, let's yeah. do it. You know, yeah.
0: you're like, Oh,
2: great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Luckily I like it, but like, yeah, it does take a long, it does take a long time, but it's one of those things that I'm kind of un, uncompromising about as far as like, there's gotta be that base level of like extreme craftsmanship quality technique, even if not all of my clients care or are discerning enough to, to know. It's, yeah. it's important for me as a, as, as far as my own, the authenticity of what I'm doing, my, um, you know, I guess my morals <laughs> I just, yeah. I just have to do, I just have to do it that way because that's the right thing to do. And I want people to trust me and uh, understand that a, that's I'm, that's
0: what a Zito hat is.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I like to tell people that I try and toe the line between modern and Western. So I'm, you know, I want to, I want to pay homage to traditional shapes techniques uh styles um ways of wearing them like really it's always some all of my hats have to be grounded in some sort of level of tradition but i do like adding one or two touches that maybe elevates it a little bit more or makes it more personal you know i'm I'm always going for authenticity quality and then above all wearability so i i don't ever really want someone and a half that makes them feel like a caricature of themselves and because i have a store i get i get a lot of direct feedback on like hey this shape i don't like the way it looks on my face so i i pretty quickly learned like you know what looks good on people what looks good on certain sh- face shapes what people are comfortable with you know i have three different heights of crown in in full size runs so i do like okay. a five inch a five and a half and a six inch block um, and most of what i do is is what i call medium height that's the five and a half inch um, but some people, if I can convince them, like I wear a tall crown, this is a six inch. Um, one of the things that I tell people a lot is where your hat sits on your head to the top of your crown is how tall of a, or to the top bottom of your chin is how tall of a crown you can wear. So I could go like seven inches. Cause I have a long face. Um, and then the other, I tell people, because everyone's like, you love coming to my store. I'm like, okay, immediately you have a long oval. All of these hats can fit you, but they're going to feel like they're swallowing you because the profile of your face is narrower than your crown here. And that's what makes most people feel like, Oh, I can't wear hats or I, I feel uncomfortable in this. It feels like too much hat for me. And so, you know, making it around the shape of their head, but also taking into account, face shape, jaw structure, height, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, it's a huge focus of mine to, to make people feel like they can grab their hat every day and like, just put it on with, A jeans and a t-shirt or dress it up or you know what I'm saying it's got to be wearable so
0: is that something that you learned from your teachers or your mentors or is that something that you've picked up working with people on an everyday basis coming into your store and fitting them out
2: I would say that that's more something that I've learned on my own Um, Mm -hmm. you know just the direct feedback of, of having a store and seeing people like I'm not seeing a ton of people like we see we have an average of four people a day in our store which is for a retail store, very very little people. But I end up talking to people a lot. I educate them on what we're doing, and I always put a hat on someone if they walk in my store. Like, doesn't matter. You're you're gonna try on a hat. That's just yeah. part of my you know sales technique and and uh, what I've learned in the past working for other retail stores. But you got to have them interact with it and touch it and feel it and put it on. And so, you know, I can pretty quickly you you get you make mental notes of like what's working and what's not. Like for example, the shape that I'm wearing here. This crown shape it's kind of a combination of a of a teardrop fedora and a cattleman's crease, and so yeah. I do it on all my personal hats are this shape. I call it a hybrid western crown because I have no i don't know what it's it probably was invented invented at some point in like the 20s i who knows I have no idea i, I don 't do enough of that kind of research, but this is one of the things that I do a lot for people because it again it's tone that line between modern and western. I find cattleman's creases are typically too uh, wide or squared off for most people's faces so that just narrowing it up a little bit like this this is my personal favorite shape I almost every dude who walks into the store is walking out with a hybrid western crown on their head because it's just it's a great shape so yeah
0: um talking about your style and kind of mixing the modern with the western I also noticed that like you everything's kind of subtle on your hats. There's a lot of subtle Mm -hmm. detailing rather than being kind of flamboyant and putting lots of uh, things (laughs) on there, which sometimes seems to be what people want. Um, Yeah. I really like how you keep it pretty low key, but, but detailed, you know? Thank you. How would, how would you describe your style and and what is it that you look for in a hat?
2: Um, So as far as describing my own style, like, like I said, really trying to toe that line between, modern, western, traditional, and um a little bit more elevated. Uh I you kind of nailed it perfectly. Like I really like to do really classic stuff. Like my own personal face, I'm only doing ribbon work hats. Like I just that's just what I like to wear. Um I also because of the nature of hat making and the materials that I'm using, because it's gonna last you know sometimes multi-generationally, you have to think about how it's going to be worn in a hundred years. Like if this is passed down to your, your grandchildren is everything and the kitchen sink on your hat going to be cool in a hundred years. I don't even think that it's going to be cool in the next five years. I actually see <laughs> hat making moving back, moving back towards more traditional, you know, hat making goes in and out of style and waves to where like, if you can't do everything, you're, you're not going to last long-term. Like there's going to be a point in the next probably 15, 20 years where only people who are you know basically wearing westerns or working working styles are going to be buying your hat and then it's going to come back again into fashion and it's, that's just how that's just cyclical and how how it works in my opinion so i think that being able to do everything and studying um, traditional techniques and really grounding yourself in in making sure that you can articulate everything through technique will allow you to, to be able to do whatever you want. So like very early on in my hat making journey, Greg was a kind of a huge stickler of like, you need to be good at ribbon work, tall ribbon, tall crowns, you know, very classic Western styles, everyone called him cowboy Greg. So I mean, he was, you know, he's in a cowboy hat every day. Um, and so I I found that by focusing on my technique first, it allowed me to, when I did find my own personal style in hat making, which is something that I think everyone should really focus on eventually. Um, it was, I was able to articulate it because I had focused on skill versus, you know, style, like, you know, the, the modern style, which is yeah. like, you know, I do them too. I, I, you know, every once in a while I get asked to do the stress stuff. I get asked to do lots of burns and stitching details and all this kind of stuff, but I still um, will filter it through a lens of like, what, what is unique to my brand? What is, Uh, what do I think is going to be cool? Is it authentic? So, you know, my approach to distressing is always wear and repair over and over and layering that in. So it's making it look organic, even, even if it looks like it's, you know, a hundred years old, like it's, it's got to look like there's a reason to it instead of just lighting the whole thing on fire, you know, and like, there's a place for that. You know, it's, it's everybody, everybody wants something different. I just, through the way that I've made hats over the years, like I've attracted a certain clientele that values what I do, and I think that everyone can can do that. Like whatever your own style is, like as long as you really and work um, slowly, your 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 ideal client will just come to you. Because I I find that most people that come to me value the everyday wearability, the subtleness. They again, we're in San San Diego if you're, when you're it's, it's coastal beach community. Like it's very casual. People are in board shorts and flip flops. Like not many people are wearing hats like this really even a great place to start a hat business really. So, (laughs) um, so I'm kind of on the edge of like, you know, this is, this is uh, how you can wear them. And so there's, I, I don't want to uh, I want to, I want to, I want people to take hat making and hat wearing seriously um, so that, you know you're not seeing everyone in these hats that are like oh well that's only that type of person can wear this hat or you know you have to have this type of crazy style to wear a hat like it should be normal are just normal people jeans and a t-shirt they want to with a little bit of everything it just makes them feel more confident that they like the experience of getting a hat they like meeting the makers you know i, th- I think that it's more experiential than and a connection to the make is like need this crazy hat because you know yeah. my, my my favorite people who make hats for are the ones that are appreciating them and wearing them so you know i while i do have some like famous clients or whatever that is i i mostly make hats for just regular people and that's what i that's what i like doing the most actually because i find that it's um more rewarding personally when they only have one or two or three hats you know
0: yeah yeah it's nice to make those connections and and uh, meet real people these days. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> Rather yeah. Than the, the filters and the, the fillers and everything else, you know? So,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, like this new wave of hats and hat making and, and what's cool. And then to, mm-hmm. uh, to think about what's going to last, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would encourage, you know, any, anybody who's like watching this and and wants to get into hat making that focus on technique first, the style will come, the, your own voice will come, you know, just, just try and try and make the best hat possible first before you think you can make the coolest hat possible. Because, you know, it's, if you want, at least if you want to have a sustainable and long lasting career, in my opinion, because I think that it's, it's going to swing back the other way and I already see it happening and uh, it's going to be important to be able to do, do more traditional stuff.
0: Absolutely, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much how I see it. And also, um, mm-hmm. you know, you do get requests for all sorts of things. It doesn't mean you have to put it out there on Instagram because uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll definitely get more requests for things you don't want to do. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I probably only like not posted really a handful of hats that I've made Uh, some of it is because I forget, but also some of it is, you know, I, 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 while I'm proud of the work that I did, I don't really want the requests for it. And I know that in the style of like what's happening or trendy, like it's really just not the direction that I'm trying to take the brand fully. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Our company is after ourselves. So it's a reflection of who we are. And so like, if you're doing things that you don't like, then it's a reflection of, you know um, yourself. And so you gotta, you gotta like what you're doing and, and uh, yeah. do what you like essentially. So,
0: Yeah. I think um, in the beginning, you want to kind of try everything, you know? Mm-hmm. You know probably, yeah. I everything's encourage that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Everything's yeah. cool. And you want to do this and you want to do that, but then kind of finding your own path and, and what, what your style is and and that can Mm -hmm. always change but yeah i also for sure the the classics and the the things that are timeless Mm -hmm. are going to endure
2: Yeah. yeah yeah i would say that like a lot of my designs too i'm when i'm really doing like really technical stuff or things that i am excited about a lot of it is just so that when my clients are wearing them and they walk by another hat maker that they'd maybe be like stoked to see Oh, that's a flanged brim. Like he has tools, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just it's like silly stuff. Like most of my most of my personal hats are like that's a hat made hat because it's just there's nothing other than it's just I, I took a lot of time to to choose the details and the finishes and like you know, like this one here is one of my favorites. This has a, a brushed finish. I just really cool finish, you know, the self bow with some silver on it and a brim binding. Like there's not really Not a lot going on, but I wear these two hats. Actually, these are my only two hats because the cobblers kids never have any shoes. Um but yeah, so you know, I I I prefer looking at hats really technical. And like you know, you'd asked me earlier what do I look for in a hat? I would say when I see other hat makers' hats, um or I see them on someone's head, I always ask Mm -hmm. to see, you know, because I think it's interesting and I love seeing other people's work, but I don't ever really look at the outside. I always flip it over and look on the inside and I check see if it's installed properly you know all, all of that kind of stuff I'm checking for technical work because I want to see what level people are at and what's out there and and you know I I, I find it all incredibly interesting um just so sort of, uh and styles and skills and stuff that are out there I, I think it's all fantastic really so yeah
0: you do a um a brim binding with like a whipping on the edge is that
2: right I think mm-hmm. I've seen you do something like that the whip stitch is um that when i'm talking to people brim bindings i i you know i have the two different styles of brim binding one's the the regular style which is like stitched on the inside and then the other is the whip stitch which is something that can only be done by hand so i i do them a lot because uh when i'm explaining them to clients they're like oh yeah i want the one that can only be done by hand you know and so like if i was to see someone's hat that was made by someone else and had a whip stitch. I, I would for sure ask to take it off their head so I could check it out because like, that's a, sort of a quality hat is yeah. whip stitches. To my knowledge, there's no sewing machine that can do it. Um, and, and especially the way that we do it, we, you know, we do it with such a fine seam allowance, like a 64th of an inch or something and all of the stitches are done by eye. And, and it's, it's just, I, I love, I love that that level of quality and it, it gets me excited even though it's cheap. and um yeah I, I think it's i think it's super fun i would love to get a you know a, a thread sponsor from uh the threads <laughs> that i use so they can stock me up because that shit is expensive
0: <laughs> That'd be a
2: lot of it
1: yeah. yeah we
2: do it with one piece of thread too so it's like 20 feet long which right now is as long as the store so it's right. fun to be able to tell people like tell people that when, when they're in the shop like this is done with one piece it's this long, and I like walk it across the store. You know, it's it's fun.
0: You're pulling twenty three to like, twenty feet of thread through every single stitch. You well, know,
2: every that's stitch. Crazy. That's why it takes so long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when yeah we you do that little knot
0: Oh my
1: through. god.
2: <laughs> We're like I my I one time I uh, Jack is at the shop today. He yeah. on Mondays he works by himself, and he always. Dreads doing brim bindings alone because he just like gets in his head if he gets a knot and just freaks out about it a little bit. He'll, I've seen him spend you know a few hours doing it because if you can't get it untied, like our standard is that yeah. we take it all out and start it again. So if you're like almost done with the hat and you get a knot that you out, I'm I'm gonna have you redo it. Like <laughs> you know, I'd rather spend I'd rather spend the payroll dollars on having it be perfect oh, than uh, than have a you know a brim binding Bad so. Hat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's got my name inside, so I got I got to be I'll be serious about it.
0: <laughs> that's that's what nightmares are made of.
2: <laughs> oh, it is. It's horrible.
0: <laughs> um I was talking to Blake uh last I think he came to yeah. visit you last year.
2: He did. He, spent some he time did. He the actually was uh, our uh, Australian connection. That we also uh you know, I have a little I I'm not supposed to talk about it, but we'll talk about it. It's, little group chat of uh, a couple of hat makers. Uh, yeah. I call it the, it's called the hat boys,
1: uh-huh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's, it's mostly, it's just uh, some people that we've been talking to for a while. So Blakesby's in there. Chris is in there. Um, Colby over at the Cajun Hatters in there. been you know, corresponding for, I would say like five or six years. So, yeah. you know, I've actually, Blake's the only one that I've met in person. And he, I met him when he, he flew out here, I, you know, and, and uh, he stayed at my house with me for like a week and a half or two weeks. And, it was a, uh, it was super fun having him in the store and like, you know, he was kind of working with, me, but he was also like living with me at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was, it was cool to hang out with him. He's such an interesting character. He was over Halloween uh, about a year ago, um, and so you know we, yeah, he he came dressed as a pirate, which is very not very different from how he normally dresses. So he like just <laughs> put together his outfit with uh, clothing that he had already. He was all like double RL, super rare, like. Not, you know, it was was such a character. I love, I love hanging out with Blake. Uh, I was on a call with him the other day, um, just chatting with him about his business and, and uh, you know, he's moved to a new, a slightly bigger, new space within his collective. It's it's cool. I think, I think if you, if you're a new hat maker, find a couple other new hat makers to chat with, start a group chat and, and be a, be a force of, of uh, support for each other, because, you know, it's until, until you have apprentices and other people that you're working with, you don't have coworkers. So like, it's hard to talk to yeah. people about what you're doing and the specific, you know, like the people that I'm friends with, like they're across the world. Like, I, I don't know, you know, there's no reason not to share information and, and chat with each other about stuff and run ideas past each other. And it's, I think it's fantastic. Sort kind of community. Cause in my experience and probably people's experience like when I first started not every hat maker was very friendly um so and and you know I'm it's it's uh now I see it as kind of a rite of passage where you kind of you almost have to find some of that information on your own and and Mm -hmm. you know you get a little bit hazed by some of the hat makers but you know it's I think it's part of putting and proving that you want to be you are actually interested in, in doing what you want to do um so if people are not answering you guys or or uh, whether they're not being forthcoming about information, keep keep looking and keep pushing and keep trying, but be respectful, obviously. I always am more likely to help someone if they come to me with a specific question and show me that they've tried, like, hey, I'm having trouble getting this sweatband to lay this way. Um, Here's what I've done. What am I doing wrong? I will much more likely answer that than, Hey, I want to be into hat making. Can you tell me how to get the materials, the supplies, the tools, like yeah. how to do it? I, I'm not going to answer that. I don't have time for that. So,
0: can you give me all your information so I don't yeah. even have to Google it? Yeah. You no, no.
2: Yeah. I just can you just actually leave your business. I want to start in your yeah. business and just I'm just going to do it. It's, yeah. Don't don't
0: yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a specific question is is good. I think I um mm-hmm. first reached out to you when I was starting and asked that, like what. What was the crown height exactly that you're using? Because I was it's like, how high do you get? How high does a crown need to be? You yeah, know, I, uh, you know,
2: I, I probably, I feel, I feel like I remember seeing your stuff a while back, and it was at a time when, you know, I, this was, I mean, how long have you been making Like six years or something, right? Six like, coming into first, my
0: seventh yeah. year, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I was at that time, I don't know that I felt like I had authority to even, <laughs> so, um, and you know for a um especially when I was like you know part- part of what I'm on social media is, is as a rule, I try not to actually follow a lot of hat makers not because i'm not don't want to talk to people, it's i don't want to accidentally have influence from other makers, like something I see, and then you know I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try this thing, you know people get weird about that, and so I like keep it, you know, pretty, pretty kosher. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's something that like I've recently in the last three years, especially as I've kind of like grown into my store and like, I, I don't really mind. I, I, I love talking to people now. I'm, I'm more open about it and more interested in what people are doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I found that like when I first started though, I, I felt a lot of, and a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, there was like this feeling of scarcity, I would yeah. say like, Oh my gosh, there's not enough hats. people buying hats to like have a business. Like I'm look at all these people making hats. I'm terrified. Like, why, what am I doing? You know? And, and slowly over time, I came to realize that like, that's not true. I mean, there's what, 7 billion people in the world, which means there's yeah. at least that many heads to put hats on. So, yeah. you know, I think that part of, like, I think that a lot of people are still kind of in that mindset in hat making where, like, they're scared to talk to people or, you know, there's a lot of, like, and there's a lot of, like, there's, you know, it's, 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 it's your, my advice, probably year four of hat making was don't, don't get into it. Don't do it. It's, it's a horrible, toxic place. And now it's, like, very much not like that, but mostly because, like, I. I I find people there really interesting and authentic and, and nice and have a good mindset. And that's who I, you know, introduce and talk to and keep in my circle and, and, and chat with, because I think that, you know, you, you get back what you surround yourself with.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's also what you're putting out into the world. So you kind of attract that around you, you know, and it's the same that that scarcity mindset, if you have that Mm -hmm. scarcity, then that's all you see. And, if there's a mm-hmm. romance, then you you know there's never ending stuff yeah. of everything, yeah,
2: yeah. It's it definitely like I've you know early on I was I've had some run-ins with some other hat makers and and like really like made me very worried about my choice of career, yeah. <laughs> first and and then I realized as I you know matured as a person, like you know there's it just doesn't it doesn't matter. Like just do focus on your own thing, and so. A lot of my philosophy is just like, I'm just going to do what I do the best yeah. possible. And like, it doesn't, it's not taking away from other people's business and their business is not taking away from mine. And that was the point when I finally accepted that and like, realized that there's really nothing that anyone can do to like. Really challenge what I'm doing or, or take away my worth or, or what I'm doing, like that's when I was able to hire an apprentice actually. Yeah. And, and I was able yeah. to increase my influence and increase like the amount of hats that I can make. And like, it was all because I got over the, uh, that lack and scarcity mindset of like, there's not enough. Yeah. If I teach someone, they will take my business. And I've so many hat makers who have had that experience, but mm-hmm. I think like, and obviously that's terrifying, but I think that it's. A function of like maybe not understanding um the mentality that you have to expand that direction you know what i'm saying um because if you go into it you hire someone and you think that's what's going to happen so
0: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. so now that you've got jack on board are you able to um, like step away from a little bit of the work and, and focus on other things
2: yeah absolutely so when i hired jack the the main the main thing that i needed to do that i didn't know i needed to do was i needed to start taking an office day so like today is my office day i'm working from home um when i get into the new space i will actually have an office in there which is going to be so nice um you you can't really as a as a craftsman entrepreneur you can't um if you're always doing all the work you, you will just create more work for yourself instead of building a business that delivers more value to people than you can do on your own. So you lose, if you're always doing the work, which I like, you know, four days a week, I'm making half. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, but if you're always doing it, you can't push your vision and your business to be where you're ever doing anything more than just working. And so working and working and working and making more work for yourself and making more half and making more half only gonna lead to a burnout. It's not sustainable. So you, you have to bring other people in and, you know, set up a structure that is sustainable for yourself and also, um, provides a lot of value for your employees and your customers. And so really what I'm, what I'm trying to do in the future is combine my, you know, 12 plus years of high-end experiential retail experience and my ability to make hacks that I've been doing for so long and just mush them together. Right. And so, you know, my my goal is to is more of a, I would say, more of an in-store experience. I'm going to be always offering custom hats because that's the foundation of my business and what I do. But I really am focusing on doing a lot more on-the-spot things. So, you know, I have a program that I launched this year I called Semi-Custom, which is my three most popular colors in full-size runs. They're unshaped and undecorated. We pre-make all these blanks and percent or price point and so you can come in we measure you you choose your color and in an hour and a half we're shaping trimming and decorating on the spot and before that there was no way to serve people on the spot and so yeah. it's just addressed another um area in my business that allows me to you know serve people a little bit faster because just a wait a year and a half for a custom hat i would argue wouldn't want to wait a year and a half. I, I ordered a pair of custom boots and it took five months and I was pulling my hair out. Like I and it really it was an eye opening yeah. moment for me to be like, Okay, supply chain issues, while it is a valid issue, it is not an excuse and I need to figure this out in my business because it, customers don't care. That's not yeah. That's not on them. It's on them. So
0: Yeah, even waiting three days for the shipping is way too long, you know, when everything yeah. comes <laughs> out <of the> click <laughs> click of a Yeah, button. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I,
2: I um Interesting to kind of navigate the, you know, the balance of immediate and, and also um, having to make something by hand. And because it's everything we do is always going to be made by hand in our, in our stores that we sell them at. Um, And I think that's just part of the experience that I want to deliver is walking into a shop and you see all the things that are made, but you're also seeing all the people that are making. And having that connection to be able to talk across the workshop counter and be like, what are you working on right now? What are you doing? Like that's incredible. You just lit that hat on fire. Why? What are you sewing? Like what is that? And or you know, there's you know, I, we have a silversmithing bench in the shop and um, silversmithing right now, which like I'm silver, actually if I'm being honest, be my set silversmithing, but it's enough to like make that I want to make. But I just I find that it's so much more interesting to oh. You know, um, for not only for me, but for my clients. And even, even if I have, you know, less ability than definitely like a full-time jewelry maker, the fact that I'm able to not have to go to other people and I can do it in-house and like articulate every, my visions with every material. So we do all the leather work, the silversmith, you know, the embroidery, the hand sewing, um, any, anything that we want to do, we, we do it in-house. And I, that's just kind of like one of the about my business. I think someone who does it actually much better than me is a uh, great collective over in New Mexico. She's, she's amazing. an incredible yeah. Smith. Oh my God. Every time she posts something, I'm like, I need to go take a stone setting class again and just like, go figure this out because you are blowing my mind right now. I, yeah. I, it's most of my interactions with her are just like, just the the emoji with the like head head explosion yeah. thing. It's incredible. <laughs> I love, I love what going, she's doing. Yeah. Everything yeah.
0: And, and everything looks so incredible.
2: Yeah. She's she's very very talented and like I find that's one of the people that I admire and it's the way that I like to do things, which is like everything in house. And she just yeah. does it at such a great level, so um, really cool to see.
0: So in the new store, like um, your workspace will be visible for like for, for the customers to see mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, that's cool.
2: Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, I'm you know we just this morning we got the approval, so now I'm like actually putting. Stock in it in my brain because like I you know I don't want to I've actually put in letters of intent on I think two other spaces this year and they didn't work out for one reason or another so it's this balance of like you know I'm in a 300 square foot space here's my revenue like here's my business plan you got to believe me you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like hard to you know, certain traditional landlords to to, yeah. to get that approved because you know they're like asking for Hey, if you default, you owe me your house and no. your wife owes me your job, her job. And it's just, it's crazy yeah. stuff. So, um, very difficult to do it. but yeah, my, you know, some of the drawings preliminarily that I have for the shop space are, um, you know, a separate sanding because right now that's one of the big issues with keeping our store clean is keeping dust off of all paths. even though our sanding area is all the way in the back of the store. It's in a separate room, has like a cloth covering. We still are tracking for everywhere. Like we have, you know, black hats in the semi-custom program and I have to dust those every day. It's impossible to keep them clean. It's, it's I want to do that.
0: Yeah, man. So, um, can you run us through like what a, a custom fitting experience with Austin is like? Starts off with getting them to commit
3: and if it's an in-store Thing. I've probably already walked them through all the different options. I've kind of put them in some, hats. I've, uh, you know, showed them what we're doing and why, why they should buy from for me, I guess. Um, yep. But really the, the, the first start, start of it is committing to it. So like we get the verbal, yes, like let's start an appointment. It's about a, for, for a custom appointment, it's, it's probably about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, just depends on the So, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: but so, we have a couple drink sponsors in the store. So Topo Chico sponsors the show. Okay. And so we just, we have complimentary drinks to hand out to the clients. So they get, um, they get a drink. We either make them a cocktail or get them a, a drink or a beer or something like that from the fridge. And mm-hmm. then we sit them down. First thing we do is take their information and then get the measure. Um, we do a combination of like the soft fabric tape measure. So we get their circumference and we measure in centimeters because I, even though we're in America, it's just way easier. I, I don't know okay. why anyone would use the, that seven and a quarter, seven and a four. I hate it. I hate it. Um, so we measure them and then we put them in our fitting device. We have like a little plastic informature. Actually, I have 10 of them um, because right. I ship them to people who can't come in person. And so I have okay. a little video that goes along with that showing them how to use it. But we measure their exact shape and size of their head and then trace that to a piece of paper. And during the appointment process, we choose color, style, shape, trim personal details. We go through everything, basically. And, um, you know, most of it is kind of recommended based on, again, like their shape, their face shape, their style, their personal style, their taste, like things that they've brought in to show me. I encourage people to bring in like family heirloom jewelry. And I've modified several, you know, like great grandfather's rings or something. And we put them on the hat is whatever, whatever yeah. it needs to be. Um, I'm kind of walking them through. And really, it's just my job mostly because I I'm the main person driving the business right now, obviously um, is to get to know my client really quickly and on a very personal level, because it's a personal thing that they're wearing um, Mm -hmm. and gain their trust very quickly. And then also uh, you know, finding out what is going to serve them the best because wearable is, is different to many different people. You know, it doesn't like, like, something that i would want to wear like this is almost going to be you know too tall or too big or it's not interesting or whatever it is like this might not be the thing that people want to wear because they don't feel comfortable in it so i really am looking at it through a lens of what's wearable for my client what's their personal style how are they going to wear it how do they intend to wear it um you know what's their lifestyle like what what is what are what are their the things that they're interested in, what's personal to them, is this for a wedding, what, whatever it is, you know, Um kind of asking some of these questions to, to really make sure that what I make for them, because it takes me a long time to make a hat, is mm-hmm. exceeding every expectation and hitting every mark that they um, are setting forth or even didn't even know that they had. So, uh, you know, then after we've chosen all the materials, I do a deposit system. So it's half to start and half when it's finished which yep. I find is the best for, for custom orders, just because um, it allows me to control the business a little bit more. You yep. know, I, I yep. for a while Absolutely. I was, I was taking all up front and then, you know, I got into situations where I didn't like that. I would taken payment and the felt I'm was fulfilled. still not there a year ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and they're like, you know, Hey, I, I paid you or I've just felt weird about like holding on to someone's money or, or it felt like, you know, after a year, uh, I was, I had, the money is already gone. Like it's already been yeah. spent to the business. Like what, you know, I'm just making this hat. So, um, deposit system is what we do. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we order the materials. We get the process going. We cut their, their head out of the piece of wood. Cause we have a, mm-hmm. we, we cut it in the shop too. So we do the band block, um, in the shop and that's a one-time service. Uh, and so it's, it's, uh, mandatory for every hat so that it fits perfectly. Cause I'm not, I don't have their head in person to fit it to them. Um, and then once we get them, we, add, once we get their felt, we add it to our queue and, uh, kind of move them in, in order in to be blocked. And then we process them, swap band them, shape them, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I like to be really collaborative with, with my designs. So, um, I'm, I'm not someone who takes the order and then like just delivers the hat. It's, I take the order, I work on it to where we have in the notes and then Mm -hmm. I'm in communication with them on the finishing processes because over a year, your, your ideas could change. Your taste could change your, you know, what you want or, or maybe you've seen me do something. They're like, Hey, I want that on my hat now. So I always am like, Hey, here's where it's at. What do you think? Do you want me to add, change or remove anything? And then we go from there so that really people feel that they're having creative input and that they're getting exactly what they want. Yeah. That's first and foremost, the thing that we're that we're delivering like I, I am delivering a hat but it's I'm, mostly my business is experience I'm selling experience not not just a, a custom hat because you, yep. you mean there's now at this point thousands of hat makers and so the difference is always going to be in what kind of experience you deliver
0: yeah no that's exactly how I do it too okay. yeah take that that deposit and then you know if yeah. if, if, <laughs> if the felt supply chain uh takes a little bit longer then you don't feel as bad but then, yeah <laughs> get the hat kind of completed up into so-and-so and and then kind of ask like, you know, do you want to add, subtract or change anything?
3: And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. I think it's, I think being collaborative gets people involved and it's, and it makes it more personal as well. Um, Yeah. And it's something that I'm, you know, working through how to incorporate into the business in a, in a more streamlined way, I guess, because a lot of, a lot of my time is spent communicating with clients and, you know, that's, that is something that I feel there's some sort of way to maybe automate it a little bit more with like updates and stuff. Like, hey, okay, your hat's been blocked, but I don't have to physically send you that message. I'd like to press a button and it sends an email. Yeah. So Jack. You know, yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack doesn't <laughs> use computers, yeah, so he's know. not. Uh, he's definitely not going to be. Yeah. He's like he's he's like a hundred year old man in a nineteen year old body. He's he like. It's funny, dude. Well,
0: that's awesome. So yeah, the the new shop is coming around pretty soon. It seems like, yeah. and congratulations yeah. on that, mate. That's great Thank news you. to find out today.
3: Thank you. Yeah, that was my number one goal this year was to get a, a larger retail space because three hundred square feet again very very tight for how I mean has to take up a lot of room as far as like a retail inventory item is concerned. Um, yeah, there's not very much space to store them, so they're all the way up the ceiling. They're all the way up, you know, on every surface, and so. I will I can come like if I have my shop full and there's not hats stacked on the counters where they're not supposed to be, I can mm-hmm. hold uh twenty one and I can hold
1: forty
3: forty five hats maybe yep. in my shop. Um and so this this space will allow me to hold closer to a thousand. Wow. Um, so much, much larger. It's four times the size of what I'm going into, but also just Way better parking, same sort of visibility. I'm on a really highly visible street, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just going to be able to deliver a better experience. We'll have a full open bar. You know, my my, my goal is to kind of go the Kimisabi route a little bit if you if you're familiar with them. No, but, no, no. Oh, okay. So they're they're um, fantastic brand. There's versions of of it, uh, and they have a couple different shops. Most notably in Aspen, they have one in Las Vegas. But basically, they they make their hats offsite. They also sell Stetsons, which I'm not going to do. Um, okay. They make their hats off-site. You walk in, and it's experiential. So you're getting, you know, they have craft custom cocktails. They have live music playing. It's like, you know, you go in, and there's people kind of, it's like a hat bar. You can kind of, like, get a hat fitted, and, you know, you're getting to choose the decorations. But we're going to take it up a, l- a couple notches by making it more authentic, because we'll have everything made in-house, in front of people. Mm-hmm. and all of the people that are going to be, you know, I think primarily they're starting with already shaped hats that they are making. They're making them with, you know, all the same materials is fantastic. They're really great quality. Um, but we'll be starting with more open crown flat rim, shaping it on the spot, decorating it on the spot. Hat makers will be finishing your hats for you. Um, so it's going to be dialed up a little bit. We're going to have, you know, a full open bar. I'll get partnered with some more drink sponsors. Um, you know, I'll have an espresso machine mostly for my employees. Uh, and uh yeah so you can come in and like do you know a hat party with your friends you know take your your corporate office and come in and do hats because you know the only only way that i can get to the business that i want to is is by serving more people and and right now like it's uncomfortable if there's more than three people in my store. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, doing uh, kind of just expanding it. I'm actually going to be doing a rebrand as well. Um, because mm-hmm. my branding has been the same since I started. It was literally a, a, a drawing that I drew and I had my buddy who's a graphic designer. Super, super awesome dude. Like we actually were toying around with starting a leather goods company together when I was like 19 or something like we were making wallets and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, he did my logo, and it's been eight years, and it's it doesn't represent my brand actually anymore. So it's just yeah. it's uh, I've moved into a different direction, and so I'll be doing a rebrand probably by the end of this year as well, kind of changing it up, making it more representative of what I'm offering, and, and kind of uh, doing a refresh. Yeah, getting, awesome. Actually getting hat boxes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, do you, you don't have hat boxes? No hat
3: boxes. No? I yeah. I've tried to get quotes, and it was like eighty bucks a box, and I'm like, okay. Oh that's, wow. For, car- for like cardboard. So I was trying to have them made in oh, yeah. the United States and that was a mistake. So uh, we'll,
0: bit, bit see. we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I we'll see
3: getting...
0: where I. $80. We'll... I thought you might have a timber box.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Price, like you yeah. can, I, I just send people to uh, Hammer Plastics, the hat, hat carrying case. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, they're 40 bucks for a plastic hard case that you can travel with. So I'm like, it's not even yeah. worth it for me to give you an $80 cardboard box. Like that's so yeah. silly. That's a waste of my money. It's a waste of your money because I have to, Incorporated into the past. So, um Yeah, we'll, I'm going to revisit it once my my branding is done because I would like a better unboxing experience. But yeah, yeah it's it's interesting. It's good. That's exciting. Together.
0: Yeah, man. I had, um I'd be a little bit nervous with my um hat making process because I'm so messy. I've, <laughs> like, I pull stuff out everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Like by the end of the day, I look at my workspace and I'm like, what <laughs> have I done?
3: Yeah. yeah. Well. I mean, that's, for me, it's like, that definitely happens. I mean, that's, I think that that's almost expected in a, a kind of a workshop setting and people come in and they kind of almost want to see that. Now mm-hmm. there's levels of like having to be presentable, <laughs> right? Like I, yeah. I try and, uh, at the end of the day we clean or we try to, if we're not so busy, but we, we clean up the store and get it back to level set. But especially in this bigger space, like, you know, our standards are going to be much higher and, yeah. uh, because they have to be it just will be like if it, if the whole store gets you know fucked in one day it's not gonna <laughs> be 30 minutes to clean it it'll be you know yeah. two hours and like that's yeah. you know that's all extra cost or i send everybody home and i have to do it myself and so send in I, the know, professionals those, yeah, yeah i we've kind of been getting into the habit of like we'll finish one thing and then fully put everything away and then we take anything else out that we're moving on to so like even if i'm you know we each have our little sewing kit because we prefer jack and i prefer different scissors we prefer different needles it's like a a weird personal taste thing um but we have like i have my pin cushion and he has his pin cushion and we have our thimbles like separate ones and we have you know our pairs of scissors and so anytime i finish like sewing a ribbon i put all that stuff back to where it's supposed to go and even if i have to sew another ribbon i put Mm -hmm. it back because i think that that act of respect to your space is is something that i personally was lacking for a long time and i'm sure it's something that it's like a work in progress all the time you know it's yeah it, it's hard to do it's yeah. hard to do <laughs> yeah i, I, know, I just I,
0: had problems going through like you know boxes and boxes of fabrics and then just pulling yeah. everything out like oh yeah that's
3: that's a solution that i'm trying to think of too because i have like the, the i have huge boxes of like fabrics and leathers and like all these different things and like there's no pretty way to have that. Like it kind of has to be in those boxes, but I'm trying to figure out a way to like, whether it's maybe pre-making these into bands so that I can display them on the floor or yeah. s- whatever it is. I don't know what it, what the solution is going to be, but like that's, yeah, that's a big issue. Cause when I do a custom appointment and people are like, I want vintage fabric on my hat, I have to pull out this thing. And I'm just like, yeah. throwing them everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fun, but it's yeah. also like, if I don't have time to clean it up, then other, other uh, people are coming to see it.
0: Yeah, I was talking to Jackson last week, and um, he's got like a shelf, and everything's laid up on top, so you can kind of see what's there. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably a little bit closer to what I need.
3: To yeah, do. yeah. I kind of, I'm envisioning one of my, uh, I have like a very far future, um, almost like kind of like Willy Wonka hat making concept where. Uh-huh you know, I have one room that is the, the room where it's all trim, but it is trim that's like embedded into the walls and you pick it off the wall essentially. <laughs> and so that's like maybe a very far out solution because we're going to have to build this, this current space out as um, economically as possible because it's yep. quick. We have to do this, you know, if we, once we sign, we have two weeks before I'm setting a hard deadline for our right. grand opening because it's the middle of our busy season. Like I can mm-hmm. I can't. Be not help. working <laughs> so yeah, yeah you i need mean we to get, get the oompa, oompa loompas loompas first i need to get the oompa <laughs> i gotta i do have the top hat block from uh daryl over at uh Hatbox right. australia but um actually i have like three or four of those i love i love those things even though i, n- I never get to use them but <laughs>
0: <laughs> i saw jack made a cool top hat
3: yeah actually that was um something that i Again that's that's actually hanging in my window right now for I have like a holiday window display um but I had him make it as a kind of a test um yep. because using that block is insanely difficult <laughs> just cuz like the first time I used it I did a western weight beaver on it I had to soak that thing overnight to to wet block it onto the thing and you know yeah. you have to use several different strings because it starts out here and it tapers and flares back and so you know it's like one string at the top you cinch it down into the center and then you take another string and cinch it down and it's like this whole process i mean it it took him so long but i also wanted to teach him some advanced distressing techniques because he's you know him and i's personal tastes are very aligned as far as like i'd rather just wear the hat and and beat it up like you know there's you know oil stains from me just grabbing it for 10 years so like that stuff's going to happen naturally but he needs to be able to do it because people will ask and so you know, I wanted to teach him some of the, the ways that we do it and, and uh, give him a challenge because he's been staring at that block for like a year and a half now, and he, it, chomping at the bit to, to make a top hat. So I told I finally told him it was time we got like this crazy like it was literally this rabbit felt like this color, actually. And um, I was like, OK, make this hat. I want to see your design on it and I want you to make this distressed. And I want you to make it actually more approachable and wearable because right now this thing looks psycho. Like I don't even know why I ordered this felt. Well. This is insane. <laughs> and so he did a really good job. With the the color combination, the distressing, the boiling it down and stuff. So yeah, I'm so stoked on that. Yeah. and so the binding you know it was it was devastating to watch him like you know sand the binding down because he was like i just spent five hours doing this i don't <laughs> want to do this <laughs>
0: yeah yeah like all the old school hatters looking at all these uh up and comers going what are you yeah. doing to these yeah, hats
3: like yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 why would you get, do that i just got someone on my instagram uh like you know who's talking to me or and are leaving a comment he's like i've been doing that for i was doing that 25 years ago or something like in Fort Worth. i was like that's rad i hope to one day that i can say that you know that i've been yeah. doing this for 25 years i i already feel like an like an old timer at 8 years because of all the you know the people who started during covid which you know it's, it's great but i i feel um i feel senior at this point even though you know, most of my mentors are like forty years deep at this point. Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day you'll get there. It's, it's the beauty of starting when you yeah. did. You know. Yeah.
3: yeah you just got to start and never stop, and then you'll be the best at it. So yeah. Anything, anything you want to be good at, you start and just never stop, and you'll automatically at one point be the best. So.
0: <laughs> uh, absolutely. So, um, you were saying that in this new shop, you can have like a thousand hats, kind of. Mm-hmm there are you um stocking up a lot on felt so you also kind of mentioned that you when you get an order you order it in like how do you go with those that's
3: my plan to to um you know right now with the semi-custom program i have three colors but Mm -hmm. i would like to get closer to 10 to 15 offerings in store that's going to be a process i won't have that immediately because like you know each each run takes me probably two weeks to make or so Um, and that's if we're only doing that and we have other orders to make. We have to keep the shop stock. So slowly over this next year I'll be expanding up to that. But I wanna be doing um majority probably rabbit western weight. I'll have some rabbit dress weight and then some beaver and then some strong ready for yeah. uh semi custom so we can shape these things on the spot. Um and they'll just be like literally like floor to ceiling. Um yeah. racks, you know, in color order. It should look really cool. Um but and then we'll have like a ready to wear section and then i'll have my goal is to also be heavily investing in uh, raw beaver fur just mm-hmm. to have on hand yeah as as my business grows like i really like for me i'm you know i don't have investors like i mean most most don't, right but yeah um there there's some of the higher up people like you know nick Fouquet and teresa foglia. actually i don't know Nick does, but teresa foglia definitely has investors like I'm never going to go that route. I want to do it on my own and I want to do it the way that I want to do it and not give up control to people. But so basically like as I sell things, I set aside some to invest in more raw materials so that the next time I'm 20% more felt and 20% more felt and 20% more felt. So that especially like some certain suppliers that I go to, you know, that I can get some more uh, reference (laughs) on (laughs) because definitely like I... Yeah, my the you know, I was using Winchester for the majority of my career uh, Yeah, because Greg kind of like, you know, grandfathered me in, you know, for a while they weren't taking new clients. I don't even know if they are anymore, but they just sent me like 30, 30 felts that I ordered a year, year and a half ago, which I wasn't expecting. They actually just charge you as they send it and they don't. Care. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden money's terrifying. gone from
0: your account. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like a box shows up your door. You're like, oh, thanks guys. Yeah. Awesome. I,
3: they usually do the thing where they send me a box and it's got one felt and then another box the next day and it's got two felt and then another oh, box the yeah, next day and it's like yeah. I've spent four hundred dollars on shipping. But yeah, mostly what I'm using is a warehouse now because um, uh, Andy is, is helpful and, you know, it's, it's, it's available volume, volume discounts and it's, you know, available and yeah, he's just just that sheer availability and also we like process the felts a little bit more to get them up to scratch for what we expect out of them i actually am yeah. really happy with their beaver and the only reason i don't use them exclusively is because they don't do 100 percent beaver and I sell yeah,
0: just the blend um, yeah
3: so you know it'll always be a combination of a couple probably a couple different suppliers but um you know i'm i'm super stoked on the availability yeah. and you know i've used some of the stuff from tim at pure beaver too but it's Um, you know not every time essentially
0: just a little bit
1: pricey sometimes
3: yeah Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah but i've used it in a pinch and he's he recently sent me uh two silver belly um or two of his silver belly uh beaver dress weights and like i've I've used them way in the past like when he first started he sent me and a couple other hat makers his like offerings and it was just hey pay pay me as you sell them and they were the best felts I've actually ever used. Like realistically, you know, Fepsa is like their their pounced finish that they offer mm-hmm. is insane. It is so good, um, mm-hmm. and it definitely saves a lot of time. But uh, the offering is it's just too much for, for my price point to yeah. Because you know, it's, right now I'm I do a flat rate of twelve hundred for custom beaver. Yep, and um, that'll change in the new year um, okay. where we'll be doing starting at twelve hundred and then additional like you know right now if you wanted a solid sterling silver hat band like that's included in the hat, which
1: so get in now
3: yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. get in in now exactly it's going it's going to go up Uh, i don't think i'm going to raise the base price but definitely like you know additions it's it's going to be there's going to be add-ons from going forward so certain certain things certain things that do cost us or or um cost us time or, or resources or materials like, yeah it's just going to be an add on thing
0: yeah just add-ons i think that's important and good like good for everybody yeah yeah i yeah, outsource a it's... lot of my add-ons so you're kind it's of really... paying another artist you know yeah
3: yeah exactly yeah it's you know there's i would for me like i haven't i mostly i source like vintage pins and stuff where i make like mm-hmm. little jewelry pieces and i know that your wife is a, a silversmith right
0: yeah
1: yeah is
3: that correct yeah do you yep. ever use you, you, you. yeah yeah
0: so she some of her customers will like order a piece with her and then and then ask me to make a hat you know
3: that's cool yeah that's so nice. that's cool yeah that's neat um yeah i like i would love to eventually have like a full-time silversmith and a full-time leather worker working yeah. in my store to make all the hat bands or make all the pins or like generate whatever you know whatever they want to make and kind of um add to the the artisan craftsmanship in the store because like i can make all that stuff but you know I, i'm best served teaching others and uh you know working on hats or yeah a business some way to, to kind of grow it to support everybody to be able to like have a career as an artist you know it's, it's hard to go out on now. <laughs> and i want to I want, really my my main goal is actually to just build a business large enough that allows others to put a career as an artist so you do
0: mm-hmm. to worry about Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, trying to be a business person, you know, and and make a business is that's another job in itself.
3: It is. Yeah. I did a, I did a, I was working on my, you know, business structure plan or whatever, you know, and I listed out all the jobs that I want to create in the future. And I put my name next to how many of them that I was doing. And I was doing 12 and Mm. I was like, Oh, okay. So I'm doing one job really good, which is making hats, And, Eleven others terribly. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I need to. I need to figure this out. You know. So yeah. it's. You know. That's. I was. uh I was reading a book that was basically like, just. It's a book about business, but specifically, it's been entrepreneurs that are, because they think that they know how, how to do, make a product or do the service or the skill really really well. They're mm-hmm. also going to be great at the business, and it just right. was like, just just crushing me, calling them so hard, I was like, oh my god. This is yeah. sustainable. I gotta figure this out. So <sighs> I find that running a business is kind of like a mirror of yourself, especially with my you know, name is on it, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a very personal connection to it. Um, but it's it's a I like I like that aspect. I like that aspect of growth and trying to figure it out and you know, figure out the best way to do things. And you know, like thinking is I'm really passionate
1: about that. making it sustainable in a way that
3: supports. Itself and supports employees and delivers value to so clients. Like I, I just, I just find all of it just really incredibly relevant. Even though it's you know what I expect <laughs> me to do. Um, I like it. I like it. Yeah.
0: It's fun. Well, it's great that it's your own creation too. You know, like yeah. that's that's the beauty of it. If you're doing that for somebody else, like there's you know, you're putting some energy into it, but when it's for yourself and it's from your own vision, that's, yeah, yeah, man, what more can you ask for, really?
3: That's something that I think about a lot, too, when in regards to, like, hiring people is, you know, I mean, not everybody wants to start a business, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's always that that feeling in the back of your head when you're working for someone, like, can I just do this for myself? Mm. And so I want to not Shy away from that issue. I want to figure out a way to create so much buy-in in my business from from others that they're feeling supported. Like I want a lot of hat makers that are at a level where they're hiring so many people and training them how to make hats. They they don't um, they really make them anonymous. And yeah. I want people that work for me to feel like rock stars. Like yeah. people they're walking around on the street and going, like, "Oh shit, that's the hat maker. Like that's really yeah. cool." I want them to feel that. I don't want it to be about me actually anymore. Um, so really my branding is shifting away. I mean, it's still going to be called Zito Hacko, but it's shifting away from me as the face. Like yeah. I will always, it's always a part of that obviously, but like, I really want to, I want my brand to be equivalent to like, you know, a chef working their whole life to go work at this Michelin starred restaurant. And there, you know, because they've made it to there, like that's where they, that's their, yeah. like, the highlight of the career.
0: It's awesome. Like, yeah. I'm head hatter yeah. at Zito.
3: Yeah, exactly. Like that's yeah. what I, that's what I, that's really what I'm envisioning is like creating a, an avenue for people to um, have it. Cause it's incredibly rewarding to make it. It's so, so much fun. We're literally mm-hmm. doing advanced arts and crafts all day. Like that is such a fucking cool job. It's so fun. <laughs> like there's no, no denying it. It's that's the cool. That's so cool. It's so fun. Yeah. But there's the flip side of that. where like, you know, for four years, I, I made less than minimum wage you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, you know, it takes a long time to get people to trust you to make them a hat at, at this mm. price point, you know? So like my, my yeah. first hat that I made was $300 in beaver fur. yeah. And for a year or two, that's how much I charged. And then it went to 600 and like for four years, that's what I charged. And then it was at 900 and like for another few years, that's what I charged. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. still and you're
0: sweating every time you were telling yeah. me the price. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, now, now that I, again, like now that I've been making them so long, like the, the price is the price and like, that's what it's worth. And it's, and it's I, not enough. I now. I, yeah. I find that I've sweated <laughs> enough. I've, I find that I deliver more than, than what I'm asking for. And I think that's the key in, in figuring out what your pricing is and becoming a, a working artist, I would say, because this is, it's a, it's a hard, thing to talk about as a business when you're we are really all just artists, like how do you, Mm -hmm. how do you make a business out of that? And so that's a, that's a big thing to, to think about when, when I'm envisioning what I want to do for the future is like, how do I keep it artisan based and highlighting people and highlighting, you know, makers and, but still make it sustainable and make it a, a business that is actually, you know, Valuable to your community and to yourself and to your employees and to your clients. So, yeah, um, being i, able to I love s- thinking about that. That's why well. I stay up all night thinking about that stuff. So,
0: <laughs> being able to scale it but keep the integrity—I think—is like that's yeah. Yeah. trying to find that balance. Is um a pre-made wool felt hats ever going to be an option in no. the Zito Hat Co? No, nah. oh.
3: no, I don't. I don't believe in wool. I think it's a terrible decision for making i'm sorry if you do i don't i don't know who does who does wool in here but um i i personally just for like the time that it takes for me to make a hat Mm -hmm. and for the longevity that you get out of a wool hat i just i don't think it's worth it and i don't want to sell people wool hats like i would love to have a price point that is capturing the people who are like okay that's too expensive for me yeah but for me i don't want to compromise that integrity of product I I actually tell people a lot of the time like when people ask, like, do you do wool or is everything less expensive? I jokingly say, like, you know, that's like asking a goldsmith to work in tinfoil. It's pointless. There's no reason to do it. It's, you know, like there's other brands that deliver it, like Brixton or Lack of Color. Mm -hmm. Any of those brands, like, go get your wool hat there. We love that people are getting into hat, wearing hats, like, by getting their wool hat or their $100 Mm -hmm. hat or whatever. But, like, I'm just, that's just not my brand. You know, it's just not for me. Um, I, I think I would love to figure out a way to make something a little bit faster, but like probably the lowest price point that I'll ever get to is like 600 bucks. Um, yeah. and that's where my straws are at right now. But like, I would love to figure out a way in the future maybe, but it's right now it's not, it's not. So, Do you,
0: do you think it's important for your brand to be like a little bit out of reach?
3: I wouldn't say it's, it's necessarily, um, important to it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, a lot of a lot of my clients, they're not like exceptionally wealthy people. I mean, I think that mostly it's about asking a fair price for you, and mm-hmm. also a fair price within the industry, um, a fair price for the quality and and the work that you're delivering and your experience. Um, and I find that when when you're able to convey that what's going into the hat, the, the price doesn't matter, um, and even for people that are like, this is a stretch, maybe a little bit of a stretch for them. When you Mm -hmm. tell them like, hey, like my goal for you is to build you the hat that your grandchildren are fighting over. Like, Mm
2: -hmm. all of a
3: sudden, you're wearing this for 150 years or so. Like, Mm -hmm. if you divide the 1200 by 150 years, that's like 70 cents a year, you know, so it's, it's (laughs) worth it. Um, But, you know, obviously, there's, like, I get all the time like, Hey, this is what we do. This is what we're offering. It's $1,200 for a beaver hat. They're like, okay, that's way out of my price range. But my approach is always like, i w I'm so excited to make this for you when you're ready. Like I can't wait to make you a hat in the future because I don't think that, um, like being exclusionary is part of the branding. I think that Mm -hmm. it's just the price of what it takes to make a hat like this. And honestly, they should be more expensive. Um, You know, like, I, I, could, I could justify, I think, charging $1,500, $1,600 for a beaver hat once yep. the experience is fully fleshed out. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. I don't, I don't personally believe that it should be that price right now. Um, but I think that there's a lot of... that. There's industry precedent for that. Like, you know, like a Nick yep. McKay hat is upwards of $2,000. Teresa Foglia is $1,700, $2,000. Yeah. hats, if you go into their store their beaver hat starts at eight 95, but their, their bands that you add on are all like 900 bucks. And so, <laughs> you, you know, they're just yeah. getting you really drunk so you can be okay spending that money. But you know, it's, there's, there's varying levels. I think that as long as you're like, if you're as a new hat maker, deciding like what your price should be, you know, I think that it's whatever you feel you're confident enough to deliver the value. at. I don't think that, you know, I think it should be you should work up to a certain price for sure. Maybe you get your first like, you know, 100 hats at one, once you feel mm-hmm. like you have a quality jump. The only time I've actually ever raised my price is when it is when I feel like I've added more value to the hat. So, you know, for example, like I switched the way that I did sweatbands or I switched the way that I did, you know, certain ribbon work or I, or I, I felt like maybe like my packaging was better or I felt like, you know, I got a new sewing machine that adds this thing to it or whatever it is you know yeah. anytime i'm increasing the cost of something i'm always trying to add equivalent or much more value to it so that's yeah. kind of like you know as long as you're adding value to your client um and delivering it at a and giving them more value than what they're paying for it's it doesn't matter what the price is so like i could you know it, when i do chinchilla which i never do I, I really don't ever have them like i'll probably you know that'll be like a five thousand dollar hat because only people that really really are huge fans of hat making are gonna get it and it's super exclusive and like you know i've done one chinchilla hat ever and i like literally teared up while i was sanding it so so insane but like you know colby the other day he he sold a mink or a chinchilla and like that's you know that's the price it's like twenty five hundred dollars for mink five thousand dollars for chinchilla and i think that it's mostly the way that you speak to it and your confidence and also like you have to have as long as you focus on quality first like you you're gonna whatever you ask for is worth it. you know you can't really price art, obviously there's a standard in the industry, but yeah, I mean, there's other hat makers who ask for much more, and there's other hat makers who ask for much less, and you know I try and I ask for what I think is fair and what I can work into my business plan to sustain what I want to do essentially so, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's a big thing to think about pricing. That's, I thought about it for a long time, actually.
0: Yeah, I've, I've often wondered just like, is it, because um, it doesn't seem to be like, it doesn't seem to be like a Gucci of the hat world, you know? Like, imagine just like stepping up and just like, I'm just, all I'm serving is billionaires and the price of the hat's like 30,000 yeah. bucks and that's it. Yeah. You
3: know? I mean, there's definitely like, I've, I've seen like one or two hat makers who go for that approach and like, yeah, maybe you make one hat a month. But again, it just depends on the, the who you define as your customer. Like my my client, I, I really like to make hats for people that are going to appreciate it. And I don't find that, you know, the ultra famous, ultra wealthy clientele is, it doesn't matter to them what, what they're getting or what they're spending. They're really just paying for the experience. And that's yeah. fine. Like I, I absolutely will serve that person. But my, I think my highest and greatest good is serving people that are just, they appreciate the work that goes into it. They appreciate it. And that's, for me, like, it, it feels good in my soul to to sell someone a hat that was, like, maybe, yeah, $1,200. That's the most expensive piece of clothing they've ever bought. But, mm-hmm. like, they're also going to, because of that barrier of entry, I guess, um, appreciate it so much more. And they appreciate it so much that they wear it even more. Because, like, I don't yeah. want to make a hat that people aren't going to wear. That's just,
0: I, it just it's pointless. no end. So yeah yeah no that's what i feel like um and also like when i was saying kind of just out of reach it's kind of like i guess what i mean is like because you've maybe people have to think about it twice they put a little bit more value on it themselves you know Mm -hmm. and uh like it's a little bit more special and then so there's that more more appreciation with it
3: i agree i think um i think that that sorry my headphones just died um i think that's important i think it's It goes for the same for like any sort of luxury price. You know, there's, there's, if you take like a, a a business course or something, like sometimes the price doesn't even need to be as high as it is, but it's actually that high so that you commit to it, you know, there's certain things like that, that it makes you, it actually makes you have more buy-in to the process. So
0: yeah, the the value, the, uh, yeah. Rather than price. So So. uh, I know that you I don't follow, don't too, follow many too many, hat, hat, many makers, hat makers, but who, who are some of are the ones, some that ones that you might look around and, and uh, appreciate uh, their appreciate work and things them. like that? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, Folklore is probably yeah. my favorite hat maker. Like, if I was not a hat maker, that's who I'd buy hats from. Um, yeah. the, I love that he's, like, so deep into equipment, and uh, also he's a fellow skateboarder, so he's made, made some, some hats for Leo Romero which is so rad. He made this like really cool roll up traveling hat for him, which I still haven't figured out. I have no idea how the fuck he did it, but super rad. Um, he's like, it's like in some of the skate videos. So probably I would make, I would buy a hat from him. Um, also, well enough. love, love Cody's work. I, I really like very traditional hat makers. Um, yeah. You know, as far as like admiring the work um, also like some of the people though, that I, I just am rooting for and i i really like talking to like karen uh karen over at nicholson uh sing hat co um you know obviously colby is a character i love i love how cultural his hats are um you know there's a handful of people that i i do follow that i just i'm just rooting for really because like there's yeah i think the more people wearing hats the better i don't think that there's you know any there's no reason that everybody can't succeed with it you know so
0: Absolutely. absolutely yeah the more the, better, the more the better you know let's bring yeah, it back to like the 1920s the yeah, yeah everyone's wearing yeah I mean,
3: it's got to normalize it so like the more people that are like oh yeah I, there's a local hat maker in in my town and i got a hat from them or and and i loved it like i'd love to get a hat from you and i'd love to get a hat from this person like i think that's great i, I don't yeah you know it's, it's should it's be much. a hat maker
0: in every town
3: yeah well there almost is in california So <laughs>
0: I bet a bit that's the place. But hey, so I heard that there was a um, law getting passed about um, no furs being sold
3: over there. Yeah, that was that was a that was a, a big moment for me. So when I found out about that, um, I was literally driving the moving van from Texas to California, <laughs> and I was like I'm about to cross the count from the law. I was like, "Holy shit! Holy shit! Fucked up! What am I doing?" I'm not going to be able to do the thing that I'm good at, that I'm making money at. Like, this is my career, and I just fucked myself (laughs) when I'm moving back to California. Um, But a handful of, like, the California hat makers, kind of, we've all been, we chatted a a bunch, and a bunch of us were reaching out to Wildlife Fish and Game to figure out if it's going to apply to hats. And for a while, it was looking like it was. Um, But we got an answer that said, It's only if it's made from animals native to California or not native to California, native to the United States. So, uh, basically everything, all the beaver fur and rabbit fur comes from Eastern Europe or somewhere in Europe, right? It's European hair and typically, you know, European beaver from like Ukraine or whatever. Um, and so it's all totally fine. Um, so very very terrifying, like I was literally considering actually my solution for that was going to be buying like a small piece of property out in the hill country in Texas, taking only fifty custom hat orders a year, going wow. out there with like my little brother or something and teaching him how to make hats and we just bang out like fifty orders in three months and then Airbnb it out the rest of the year like that was like legitimately my solution, and I was just gonna only be doing hats on a side hustle basis and I, I was like resigned to it. I was terrified and was resigned to it, but it, it ended up working out. It was totally fine. But for a while there, I was like, I was literally like having panic attacks about it every, every day. Cause I was like, I just didn't know what I was going to do. I don't really want to go back to working for anybody. So
1: yeah, it has, it has <laughs> to, it has
3: to work. Uh, so. totally, unemployable
0: totally unemployable now.
3: I, I, yeah, everyone in my family is kind of like, has that, ent- like, I've known I wanted to run a business since I was 12, like, everyone in my family works for themselves, and so, that's, I didn't go to college, I, I immediately was like, I'm gonna just do my own thing, like, I'm gonna figure it out, um, and so, while I am a, I am a good employee, I don't think that I would be invested or good at it anymore, you know, because I just, I, I like working hard, I, I don't mind that, but, uh, I don't think I can do it for anyone else again. So yeah, <laughs> it's not good for the soul. Yeah, I'm also like you know I'm I'm at the point where like I I I don't I'm not old I'm like 30 but it's you know it's I I don't want to I don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore you know I've, yeah. my wife and I have figured it out enough to to not have to you know <laughs> I can I can I can make this work so
0: no compromise.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, she she works in the tech industry, so she's like does her own thing like i said i'm stealing her office right now i her into our bedroom (laughs) (laughs) thank you on sales calls or something
0: (laughs) all right so which person past or present would you like to make a hat for Hmm.
3: good question i would love to do like teddy roosevelt (laughs) or or do like the like Lyndon B. Johnson, because the LBJ is named after him. And, uh, uh, anyone who's like basically named a hat style so that I could be the one who had made that hat style.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just jump back in the time machine.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to do a hat for Jimmy Buffett. I I grew up going to Jimmy Buffett concerts with my parents. Um, I was, we were blasting Jimmy Buffett for like a week straight when he passed away. Um, so I've got a, you know, a soft spot for him, but, um. I don't know there's I I don't like I said I I don't make a ton of hats for like super famous people so I my my main most fulfilling thing is like just making hats for the people that I meet in the store and like just having it kind of happen organically and I don't I don't mind being in that part of the industry like I you know I have some clients that are stylists that pull for different people but like mostly I just I like making hats for people just regular people who are like Work a job or like you know what whatever they're doing. I think it's great. I think I want to make hats for to become like their uniform. But um, yeah, probably someone that like I don't know maybe maybe like Tom Mix because uh, he you know his hat style is is one of the the most famous um, kind of on screen cowboy hats. Uh, that's a good one. I'm also pretty terrible with names It look like celebrity name so. Probably yeah, I'm like,
0: who's, who's Tom best. Mix?
3: <laughs> yeah, Tom, well, Tom Mix was like uh, the most famous uh, silent era on-screen cowboy, like okay. 1920s, black like, and white on. films. Yeah, he uh, he has, you know, you know, like a Gus style hat where it's mm-hmm. like super low in the front and then tapers crazy up in the back. That's that's his. hat. Yeah, that's, his, all right. like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it has a big pencil curl. Typically, it's like dipped in the front and like like eight inches wide. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: wow. Uh, something like uh Alexander West would would do.
3: Yeah, yeah. I actually met him a couple of times because he's also in that LA area that I that I was in. Um very nice dude. I, I haven't seen him around making hats in a while, but I think it's he's you know, doing family life. He's also like a full time engineer. He's like a oh, insanely intelligent dude. Yeah, he's, he's like he's like a scientist or something. It's
0: crazy. Yeah. It's cool though. There's guys with all sorts of talents, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, have, I just
3: have one, and it's just making hats. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and and skateboarding.
3: Yeah, well, probably, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe uh, John over at uh, Folklore can tell me if he can do it or not. But I, I think that I'm the only person, only hat maker in the world that can do nollie trays or you know whatever whatever <laughs> skate trick that is the hardest that I can think of. I guess
0: so you are more of a street, uh, I'm skater? Of a street skater.
3: skater. I'm more of a street skater. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I I still skate probably well been like a month because we're in a busy season but i usually skate like three times a week um you know i that was my dream for a long time so i i dropped all my sponsors when i was like 25 i would say and just uh. went and skated for fun again and you know now it's just like a more of a meditative mental practice kind of thing just to connect back to my inner child
1: because
3: <laughs> <laughs> i started when i was 12 so you know it's it's uh i started for fun and now i'm ending for fun so i, I do that i you know, in, in the house we do, I do all the house projects here. So like remodeling the, the bathroom and I do that myself. So, but mostly that's because I like to add value with my hands. Like I just work.
0: Yeah. And you, uh, rebuild motorcycles too.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I have a 1963, Harley Davidson, it's called Pan Shovel. Um, it hasn't run in a little bit. Unfortunately, I, I work on it probably like once a week, just go down and I'm like. Sounds a like bit. a Harley. Yeah, yeah. No, just I mean, getting like, Sorry, it's, man. It's like seventy years old, so it's you know, it's, yeah. it was my dream bike, and you know, I love I love working on them, riding them, maintaining them. But now I just finding that I don't have the same amount of time that I used to, and it, it requires a lot of work. So you know, the next time I get it running, I'll be able to so sell and get something a little bit more reliable because I do like having more so it's, it's one of my favorite things, but mostly it's a way to connect. My friends who are like on motorcycle trips, and we go camping, and like you know, we're just and being bombs, I guess.
0: So, yeah, those coastal roads you've got are, too, are awesome too.
3: Yeah, that's that's a, my favorite part about jump is right now is I, I shoot down the like this little little, little like two lane highway and I roll all the way down, the coast. and it's it like the waves are here, and the, the road is here, and so it's breaking like almost into the barrier, and you're just. It's such a fun, it's it's such a like mentally relaxing of thing, except for when you're like and you have to do the <laughs>
0: Classic. Um, so what, is, what should I ask you now? What do you love most about hat making?
1: I would say the. The thing that
3: I love most and connect with most about hat making is that my day to day is always different. So, you know, if I don't want to do sweat bands, I can sand. If I don't want to sand, I can block. If I don't block, I can make some jewelry. If I don't want to make jewelry, I'll make, you know, whatever it is, or business, or I'll, you know, reach out to clients. And so I found that there's, it's for my the way that my brain works, because it's always going and going. And just the ability to be able to choose whatever I want to do for the day, and like
1: feel things need to be prioritized is
3: that's like true freedom for me. Even though I I have obligations, I have to be doing things and working. I I think that just being able to choose a different thing to do whenever yeah. I feel like it is like that's that's a huge what draws me into
1: making. Then the other side of the other, I think the other
3: favorite thing that I is that, just think they're cool. <laughs> I mean, like I I find it ironic that like every you know every year from when I was like one until I was fifteen I was a cowboy. <laughs> <It's> know, <like, economic laughs> for a living. So yeah, it's just think they're cool. They're beautiful. I love I love making something that's both functional and at the same time, which is why like motor building motorcycles because it performs mm-hmm. a function but it does so beautifully And so like hat making is kind of one of those things that it it hits all those marks for me and you know it's such a personal thing it's so wearable They they can travel they can be wet they can you know they dress you up they dress you down they protect you from the sun there's like all these different things that i think that are it's also especially in america it's like the most iconic piece of americana that you can possibly connect with is the cowboy hat or the blue jean you know it's like Mm. it's like a pair of levi's and a cowboy hat and some cowboy boots like that's america in a clothing right so it's 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 fun to be able to touch on that heritage and um and kind of be a part of the new history of of like hat wearing in in the united states specifically but also the rest of the world you know it's it's i just i think it's cool to that I get to make something and then it's out in the world. And I had my hand on it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you make some beautiful nice. hats, mate, and they're uh, yeah. far yeah. and exactly. wide for sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so um, so uh, what are some, what are insights, some or insights or tips that you could give to someone who's to starting, someone out starting out up? or wants to get into hat yeah, making?
3: I would say um, start with, um, uh, like I said, focus on technique before you focus on finding your style. Um, whatever you're doing, just try and become the best at it and don't be afraid to make mistakes because it's going to happen. It's, I mean, that's kind of how you figure it out, especially if you're not going to apprentice for someone. Like figuring it out yourself, you're going to just have to experiment and, and try things. And um, I would also encourage people to do as much of their own research as possible. Uh, it'll form a better connection with, with your craft, than if you um, just ask everybody else for it. I guess I don't know. Um, I think there's a level of desire that you have to have become good at something um, that you, you should really kind of take that journey of, of having it be really hard to learn how to do as kind of the initiation of mm. doing the thing. You know. Um, it kind of weeds out the people that really actually want to do it or not. And then also don't go and buy all the tools and all the felts and all the things, right. Just like do them as you go. You know, the first, the way that I started making hats, obviously I came into a lot of hat tools, but when I first, my plan and how I, I got a full set of hat tools. I have vintage ones that I sometimes use. I would, I started with my own block that was in my size so I can make them for myself. Then I bought one for my wife. Um, And then as people would, Pay me to make them a hat. I would find their size block and purchase it, and then make them their hat. And so, their order would pay for the block, and it would pay for the material. I wasn't making any money off of it, but I was investing in tools. And so, personally, like that's, I think that's the best way to do it. Is just go slow. Um, don't go crazy. You know, just like because hat making tools and hat making are extremely expensive. It's one of the most expensive things that I could have possibly chosen to do with my life. <laughs> I don't know like, if I would have known that, I probably would have chosen to, like, um, sell something else. But, you know, I, I can't help what I like. So, you know, if yeah. you get if you're if you've been bitten by the, the hat making bug, just go slow and know that if you if you have somewhere that you want to go and a vision that you want to, um, you know, manifest in the future, like, it doesn't, it doesn't serve you to skip steps. Like You, you really should do everything and do it right. And, do it slow and you know know that if you want to be good at hat making the only way to do that is to start and then just never stop doing it so do it more than anybody else do it all the time (laughs) you just have to constantly be making hats and making hats and making hats and and then eventually you'll look up one day and you'll be sitting in in your store and you'll be (laughs) making you know hats and have people working next to you and and you're like what what happened here you know it's it's great (laughs) so yeah, I would I would say personally, just like just if you really like it, my first suggestion is come come and apply it to work for me and I'll teach you how to, how to do it. Uh, and if you can't, if you live on the other part of the world, uh, go find someone who, who will, because having a mentor is, oh, my God, I wish that I had been able to fast track myself by learning directly from someone for a lot longer. Because that's going to be the fastest way to learn and the cheapest way to learn, too um so go find someone to learn from if you can't go slow and do it yourself and it's totally possible as well i I was kind of in a combination of the two things
0: yeah oh, that's awesome yeah man yeah, well you're I'm a, a amazing, huge inspiration, inspiration and definitely a, a, an amazing example of of what's possible and uh when you apply yourself and you have high standards and um i'm super excited everyone to see you can do it
3: all... everyone can do it you know There's... If you see someone else doing something that you want to do, it just means that it's possible for you. So obviously, everyone has their own flavor and their own take on life and on business and on, you know, making, right? Um, and that should be celebrated. But if, you know, people are sitting here and they're making a hat at their dinner table, like, just know that I was there. And I'm not even, I'm so far away from where I actually want to be, but I'm much further in into where I, you know, what I'm doing now is, was my fantasy dream eight years ago or even two years ago if I'm being honest (laughs) I was still (laughs) in my garage right like it's if you just keep at it like it'll it'll happen for you if you keep going at it with intention
0: yeah man that's awesome advice so if people wanted to see you or find your work and uh, check out what you do where can they find you
3: it's on Instagram primarily Zito Hatco that's probably the best way you'll see some like stories of behind the of scenes stuff I, I post a lot of reels unfortunately um, i uh, I post a lot of my, some finished work there and uh, I'm probably also in the new space going to be setting up a YouTube channel just to kind of drive a little bit more content and, and get some more value out of the space so, so there'll be some more builds on there. I don't know what it's going to be after. So ZitoHacko, I have zero followers, and one, so go follow it. <laughs> but, yeah, website, ZitoHacko.com, Instagram, ZitoHacko, and eventually the YouTube, if, if I can uh, build, build that.
0: Yeah, and then the new store at the new location?
3: Oh, yeah, you can go to the new store. It's um, You know, this is, once we sign the lease, we will uh, we'll be official, official, but it's like 90 90- six on Way in Oceanside. So it's a, another beach community. It's a, kind of an up and coming community in, in San Diego. Uh, and it's a lot of cool stuff there. So if you're visiting San Diego, like come see me and then walk around and go eat some food and go live into shops and go to all these really cool spots around there. So.
0: Yeah, sounds awesome. All right, brother. Thanks, well, thank you, well, you so, thank much so much for much connecting. For connecting and, uh, I'm and I'm glad we got I'm this one in the, so can. in the
3: can. Oh. We finally did it! Yeah, we got yeah, it done. Got it done. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, epic brother. Excited. Really excited, excited about what's, uh, what's uh, next for you, man. So we'll thank keep tuned. Keep
3: Nervous and, and excited, but I, I, I think it's going to be great. So, it's be really cool.
0: all right, all right, all right. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this week's episode with Austin Zito. You can check out Austin's work at zitohatco and also on Instagram at. Zito Hat Co. If you need some timber hat blocks, hat making tools, or flanges, be sure to check out our sponsor, Hat Blocks Australia. You can find them at hatblocksaustralia.com.au. And if you're not in Australia, don't fear because they do free shipping worldwide and have a lifetime warranty on all their products. While you're scrolling through the interwebs, make sure to follow the show on Instagram at the Hat Makers Podcast and subscribe to the show and hit the notifications bell on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Next week, we'll be chatting with Jesse from the Grey Collective Hats, so get ready for that one. My name is Jack, and you can check out my work at Creatures of the Wild Unknown. Looking forward to catching you all again next week, and until then, keep on hatting.